2: Visit Picasso to see thousands of listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot And now, Move the Sticks
0: with Daniel Jeremiah and Bucky Brooks. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Move the Sticks, presented by New Era DJ and Bucky. As we are in the middle of the NFL preseason, Buck, we're never uh, short on storylines or conversations to be had.
2: No, it's it's always. I mean, the NFL is the greatest soap opera known to man. I mean, this is unbelievable. Some of the things that we have going. But look, I'm really excited. I'm really excited because we get to talk some ball. We got more games on the horizon. We get to talk uh, our all 32 series as it continues. We talk about some of the breakout players and top five pass rush groups for 2019. Always got to talk about the hunters, guys to get up to the quarterback
0: yeah and for those that uh, haven't caught up with the other episodes we've had recently we've been doing this little 32 series bucky's talked about we have 32 impact rookies on a podcast you can find that nfl.com slash podcast um you also have uh, 32 uh what else do we have 32 impact rookies we've got 32 breakout players today what's the other one we had oh irreplaceable players he was gonna give me that right there Heithen. he was Heithen. ready i was on it i was ready you were ready at the re- you were at the ready put me yeah, in So coach. we've got this uh, it's a fun series because exactly we got one player uh, for each team on these different topics and today we're doing the breakout players so not rookies um, but guys we think are gonna really bust out and have a big year and then Bucky mentioned it the uh, pass rush groups top five pass rush groups uh, we each have a list that we will uh, we will put out there I'm sure we'll have a healthy discussion on that uh, but buck as we get started here before we get into the breakout players uh, just your thoughts I know you uh, I won't say you went all in, but you went hard. You went hard on social media in defending Dak Prescott. Oh, you and think he should be paid?
2: I didn't. I just, I just, just a little bit. I just think, I just think it's funny. I wasn't even really trying to defend him. Uh, one, I do have a theoretical question because whenever it comes time to talk about quarterbacks and what quarterbacks should should be paid, I just wonder what it, what's kind of like the criteria. What are we measuring them on? Because we always talk about like Tom Brady. We talk about rings. He's six ring. That makes him the greatest of all time. Yeah. Then others want to talk about passing yards and the like. But we know that passing yards can be run up in the end in the fourth quarter. So it's kind of that subjective thing that what is it that we're looking for in a QB1 and what distinguishes what separates the good from the great when it comes to um what we're we looking for in performance, and then how do we compensate them? And because the contracts, in my estimation, are a little out of whack when you get to a Jimmy Garoppolo and even a Derek Carr and those things, it upsets the apple cart when it comes time to pay these guys going forward. And so I think people just kind of need to realize, based on what has already been previously doled out to quarterbacks, there's no way that Dak was going to come in at $23 million or $24 million or sub $30 million just because – Precedent. These people have already been paid. And because he's next up, I can't imagine his representative saying like, oh, no, 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 we're good. Yeah, we'll take twenty one million dollars. No, it's not happening.
0: Mm hmm. Well, yeah, I think to me, thirty is the number he's gonna he's gonna get to, and it's out there that it met me a number that the Cowboys are already at. Um, we'll see how much further north of that he gets. I'm with you in the term terms of timing. You know, look these uh, the highest paid players in sports are not necessarily the best players in sports. They're just the ones that had their clock their their time came up, at, and that's the next guy in line. He gets paid, and eventually that number will get exceeded uh, by the next person in line. So uh, Dak is next up. The the one thing that I would say though. Um, if I'm just looking at you know, the him and a number, and if I'm the, the Cowboys, I think I would hold firm on the Carson Wentz number. And I would say, okay, this is, we'll go up to this. We're not going to go over that. And, and the reason I would say that, and I've seen the stats, people try and throw out the stats. These are the stats I would look at that I would point to. With Carson Wentz, in the year they went to the Super Bowl, in 13 games, he had 33 touchdowns and seven picks the offense runs through the quarterback. And, and people are quick to say, well, they won the Super Bowl without him. I, I understand that. But the whole point is, this is a team and an offense that runs through the quarterback. The, the, the rest of the positions are complementary pieces to the quarterback. Whereas the Cowboys... I would say I don't think that offense does run through the quarterback. Dak's had, had good seasons, 23 touchdowns, 22 touchdowns, 22 touchdowns. Those are all in 16 games. He's been durable. Um, but what Carson Wentz showed that he could play at an elite level, he could carry a team. And he could be the, uh, the main reason for this team's success, not a compliment. I think Dak is a very good player. But it goes back to our trucks and trailers analogy, Buck. We've been talking about this for years. I think he's an elite trailer if that makes any sense. I do not think that he's the truck that drives this Cowboys team. Which, that being said, give him, give, if you want to give him up to the Carson Wentz contract, I get it. I, if I'm the Dallas Cowboys, I couldn't pay him above what Carson Wentz is making. Personally,
2: I think just from a, a standpoint, I think you bring up good points about trucks and trailers and the like. I do believe just because Carson Wentz is next in the same draft class, I think you're gonna have to pay him one dollar more. If this is prices right, it's gonna be have to. It's gonna have to be thirty-two million plus one. Just to make it right. Like I just can't imagine his representative coming in below that. I think the interesting thing when. Looking at it, two, because we also have to throw Jared Goff in that class. I think Dak's biggest yep. thing is, if I'm negotiating for him, is, look, Dallas, for three years, you've had the benefit of getting me on the cheap. And that the going rate for a starting quarterback at the time was $20 million. So I saved you probably $54 million by being able to step up and play as a fourth-round pick. So you got to sweeten the pot a little bit to make that right. When it comes to trailers, I agree. I do believe, and Jerry Jones said this, and it sounded crazy, but I can see what he was talking about a couple weeks ago when he mentioned Dak and Tom Brady. If you go back and you look at Tom Brady, those first three years, those those first four years when they won three out of four Super Bowls, Tom Brady wasn't the driving force of that offense. It was Willie yep, Mack. He was in a defense, player, and he was a complimentary player. So, if I am Dallas, I am trying to get Dak to understand. Here's where. We see you as we see you as the high-end trailer, and as you get older and your mastery of the game improves, the offense will then run through you as Ezekiel Elliott falls off. And I think with all of these guys, because it's such a long play with quarterback, it's understanding. Here's where you are now. Here's where we expect you to be at year seven or whatever. And I think it's very comparable to what Russell Wilson had to do. Russell Wilson wasn't the, the the guy that they were running the offense through. It was Marshawn Lynch. But as Marshawn Lynch faded away. Russell became a bigger piece of the pie, which is why he merits that money. Dak's big contract is not this contract. It's the next contract when the team is really his team.
0: 100%. And I think when people hear all the numbers and they can get confusing, one thing you have to remember is that if you are doing an extension, the way the numbers get sold is is funny to me. But if you're doing an extension, you could say, okay, in new money, in the new money he's getting, if he's getting, you know, four more years and X amount of dollars, so one way they sell it is to make it the number bigger. Is okay, he's getting, you know, thirty-five million dollars a year because that's what that looks like over the new four years. That mm-hmm. money, well, it hasn't adjusted his first year. So now you have to average that over five instead of four yes. so now you get that number down to where he's at 30 you know maybe it's 31 million a year um, but one one party's gonna try and sell it as as he's making 35 a year and the other party's gonna sell it he's making 30, 31 a year and then if you're trying to negotiate you might come out and say well he's asking for this crazy amount of money Well that's in the new money if you average that out over the, the year he has left on his contract then that drops that number lower. So I'm always just a little bit leery when numbers get thrown thrown out because uh, they're either coming from one camp or the other and they're both biased
2: they, they are both biased but I, I think the the interesting thing and why people have to understand why he may hold firm on that 30 million dollar number is because the franchise tag is projected to come in at the quarterback position at 30 million dollars plus plus. and so at a minimum if yeah. Dak does nothing and they franchise him he's looking at 30 million and maybe 33 million on two franchise tags. So that means, from a guaranteed money standpoint, it has to start in that 60 to 66 million dollar range. And so that is where those numbers are. And so, despite what we all may think about him, the fact that he is kind of entering that Kirk Cousins territory is because they've let him play it all the way out. And he can say, Look, I can see the finish line right now. I can play on two million this year and I can force your hand and make you franchise me. So if I'm going to give up that option, then you have to compensate me for what it would be to sweeten the pot.
0: And it's very comparable to Kirk Cousins because you've got somebody that was a mid round pick. Yes. Um, who, you know, that's one of the things it'll be interesting to see in this next CBA. And we've talked about this with the running back position. Um, but having, having a first round guy where you get the fifth year option. And then you know at, at a number you probably will be OK with franchising for at least a year. Mm-hmm. That's six years of control you have on a player. Um, so now you're not a first-round pick. You take that fifth-year option away. I mean, that's why agents, you talk to any agent, they would tell you, I would much rather have my client be the 35th pick than the 25th pick. Because I'm going to get him to the market a year sooner.
2: So it's funny, DJ. So my biggest thing in changing the team building model, and we've kind of gone back and forth about the running back, where you said, like, I believe I can find them later. But my thing is because the fifth-year option and the franchise tag, I believe, no. Oh, it's cost control. So draft a running back high. Take him because you now have him under control like Melvin Gordon for six years. And then – Never go beyond that. So I I have him for all of his prime years at a cost control as opposed to drafting a mid-round one and then at some point having to re-up the deal um, because he comes up after three or four years. No, Buck, you bring up a great
0: point there. And and look, I I have not been in the camp of saying you should never take a running back in the first round. I've just said when you have a need... Uh, if you've got a need at quarterback or you've got a need at pass rusher, like the elite positions, and there's an elite player there, um, even if the grades are the same, I think the tie would go to those positions. But I would not pass up an elite running back um, if you've already got some of those positions in place. And I'm with you in terms of the drafting and having the cost control, having those number of years, six years. I mean, really, you literally run them till the wheels fall off. And then that means you're drafting a running back once every six years high, either the first second round. I understand that, but uh, you know it, it to me if I'm, if I'm a running back, I'm going to my representatives, my player reps and saying, hey, in this next CBA, you have got to shorten this down. You cannot have us stuck for five years because that's our shelf life. Uh, that is it. So uh, to me, if I was on the players side, I'd be saying, okay, look this get three year contracts. Um, and everybody's on three year contracts. And then let's, that what it also will do is create a lot of movement. And for those that like the NBA offseason and seeing that type of movement, uh, you put all these players on three year contracts. I know the GMs will get mad at me for saying this because it makes team building harder. I think it'd be kind of fun. Uh, you've got three years of control, and then let's try and get deals done sooner and, and go from there.
2: Yeah, I think it definitely will, will, will change the model and how you have to build your team. Um, you know, because this is going to be interesting. Well, we may not see it because the CBA will change. But Alvin Kamara is in the same draft class as Christian McCaffrey. However, because he was drafted outside yep. of the first round, he oh, yeah. will get to the table first. And when he gets to the table, he the Saints have to sign him to a blockbuster deal, whereas we may not see Christian McCaffrey and some of those other guys get the same kind of deal because they have more time to extend it and kind of play it out before they have to make the big offer to those guys.
0: Hey, no doubt. Uh, all right, let's get to our 32 series here. Talking 32 breakout players, and we can roll through these, Buck. Why don't yep, you do the do NFC? Uh, get us started here with the Bears. Again, breakout players meaning they can't be rookies. Who you got?
2: Here we go, breakout players. I'm going to go with Anthony Miller, wide receiver, in his second year out of Memphis. I think he's going to have an opportunity. Ah, nice. I think he's going to have an opportunity to really break out in Matt Nagy's offense. They have like the pieces around them where I think he can be a sneaky number two, number three, make a ton of big plays, and an offense that is really set up for guys who can be catching run specialists.
0: I like that one. Anthony Miller, outstanding route runner. All
2: right, how about the Vikes? Here we go. So I'll just rip through the rest of the division. I'm going with Dalvin Cook for the Minnesota Vikings. I know he has been there for a while, but we've been waiting for him to break out. I think this is finally the right marriage between scheme and personnel fit. He is an outstanding one-cut runner. Gary Kubiak's system, which they're running, is going to allow him to have a lot of big gains. I think Kirk Cousins is going to do great in this, also coming on the backside out the bootleg. Uh, For the Packers, Kevin King long, rangy corner, gets a chance to get on the field. In that Mike Pettin defense, we've seen him do it with Antonio Cromartie in the past. Kevin King has similar length. I think he has a chance to shine. And then finally, in Detroit, Jerry Davis. Gerard Davis has been terrific in terms of being an instinctive playmaker, but now he should be the centerpiece. I think he takes over some of the leadership and allows him to really grow and flourish in Matt Patricia's system.
0: Of that group, I would say uh, Dalvin Cook's the one I'm looking forward to. I think you got the offensive line in a little bit better place. I think he could have a big year with his skill set. How, how about the NFC East?
2: Here we go. With the NFC East, I'm going to name Michael Gallup for the Cowboys, Derek Barnett for the Eagles, Trey Quinn, wide receiver for the Redskins, and Evan Ingram for the Giants. The guy that I really want to focus on, Trey Quinn. Trey Quinn doesn't get a lot of attention, but when you look at ah. the Washington Redskins – He is a guy that is beginning to come on. And people who really have studied the high school recruiting rankings should know this was a five-star player. Some people viewed him as the best receiver in his class. Finally getting the opportunity to do his deal and watched him with Jamison Crowder gone. Look for him to be a chain mover on third downs. I think Dwayne Haskins and him at some point would develop a synergy and a connection that could allow him to be a big-time player.
0: And leaving the uh, Giants training camp, I I put it on Twitter for everybody. Look, Evan Ingram, buy high, buy high, uh, or buy low, whatever. Just buy. Just buy him. He's going to have a phenomenal year. Uh, A lot of those passing targets that went down to Cleveland, um, I think a lot of those are going to end up going Evan Ingram's way. I think he's going to have a big year uh, for the Giants. All right, how about the South?
2: Here we go. we go to the NFC South, for the Saints, Marcus Davenport. For the Falcons, Austin Hooper. Panthers, DJ Moore. And then for the Buccaneers, Ronald Jones, I really want to focus on rojo i think ronald jones is finally gonna have an opportunity to do some things in tampa catching the ball out the backfield being a change of pace type body build but still being able to be in every now and back i think bruce aarons is going to find a takeaway to take advantage of his skills as a playmaker and then marcus davenport the saints are all in on him they traded away a first round pick to make sure they got him i think this is a year he becomes a complimentary rusher opposite cam jordan
0: Yeah, you've got Cam Jordan on that D-line. To me, that's a very good group in there. And I think he's going to be healthy. And if he's healthy, that, that combination he has of just power, twitch, Uh, that's going to lead to a big year for Davenport. All right, how
2: about the West? The NFC West. So for the Rams, Malcolm Brown running back. Seahawks, Rashawn Penny. The 49ers, Akello Witherspoon. And the Cardinals, the guy that we talked about, Christian Kirk. And we're going to focus on Christian Kirk here. Christian Kirk is the number one receiver. I know Larry Fitzgerald is there. Larry Fitzgerald is a gold jacket guy, Hall of Famer. But Christian Kirk in this offense with Cliff Kingsbury, Man, he may surpass the 100 catch mark. I just believe they're going to sling this ball all over the yard. And the connection between he and Kyler Murray should be fantastic. I just look for this offense to put up some fireworks in some games. And I cre- I believe Christian Kirk is going to be the guy that is in the centerpiece of it all. Yeah,
0: look, I, I, everybody I've talked to when I was down there for that game um, said the same thing uh, about Christian Kirk. He is going to be the guy uh, when you watch him this offense, not only being able to work in the slot, he's going to play a little bit outside. Uh, they're going to be able to get him the ball on some reverses and, and t- every kind of quick screen, tunnel screen, you name it. He's going to be a big time playmaker uh, for that team. All right, let's go over to the AFC. Uh, start off here with the Ravens uh, Patrick Owasso uh, young linebacker this Ravens team has unbelievable track record of being able to find and develop linebackers. Uh, he coming off he's coming off a very solid year last year I think you'll see his name uh, start to get more national attention this year. Pittsburgh Steelers Dante Moncrief um, you look we've seen uh, Washington make some highlight plays early in the preseason I think Moncrief's gonna end up though being the number two guy next to Juju Smith Schuster for the Browns. David and Joku, you saw some of those splash plays last year. I think with what they have at the wide receiver position, it's going to create even more room for him to work, especially when you get down in the red zone. He has a big year. And then for the Bengals, a guy we had on the show on the Move the Sticks podcast that we loved coming up to the draft, uh, Fort Wayne's finest, Jesse Bates uh, via Wake Forest. Uh, slender safety there for the Cincinnati Bengals, but a ball hawk with tremendous range. I think he ends up having a breakout year.
2: David Njoku is the guy that stands out for me, only because of the way that Freddie Kitchens loves to use utilize the tight ends. With all of the attention, that naturally we go to Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. I believe he could be the matchup nightmare, the guy that exploits the coverage. Look for him to have a big year. I just kind of like the way the pieces of the puzzle fit on that Browns offense. All
0: right, no doubt. Let's get to the east here. The New England Patriots. Uh, Matt Lacoste, look, they – they need a tight end. Rob Gronkowski is gone. He's next up. He's next in line. Now, do I think he's some superstar impact player? No. But I think he's going to get those targets, and he'll have a productive season. For the Dolphins, Kalen Bellage, you know, we, I remember talking about him. And, and when he was coming out of college, Buck, we, we raved about the explosiveness. Everything I hear is that it's all kind of coming together for him. I know they've got another back there in Kenyon Drake that a lot of people like. But I think Kalen Balaj ends up being the guy uh, down there in Miami. The Buffalo Bills. Not a young player, necessarily, but John Brown, I think this will be the best year of his career. He's going to be the number one wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. When I went up there on their training camp tour, um, everybody you talked to, from players to coaches to personnel, they all raved about John Brown. And then for the Jets, stay with me on this one. I know he's suspended for the start of the season. But once Chris Herndon gets back on the field, He's going to be a big-time weapon. I think he's going to emerge as a top-five tight end in the NFL this season. So you're going to have to get through the first couple games. Uh, once he gets out on the field, though, you'll see Sam Darnold uh, connecting quite a bit with Chris Herndon.
2: <laughs> Look, I like those names, but the guy that stands out to me is Kalen Bellage And Balaj is a guy that I would expect to have tremendous success in this offense. Big body, hybrid, a guy that catches the ball out the backfield. Um, he has become a more physical running back. I can see big things for him in this offense led by Chad O'Shea.
0: All right, let's get to the AFC South. Houston Texans, uh, you know when they're healthy at the wide receiver position, when they get fuller out there, this offense changes. And I think Kiki Kuti is another one. They keep him healthy for a full 16. Uh, When I stopped by there, Buck, he was making all kinds of plays in practice. They're going to live in 11 personnel. He's going to be out there a bunch. Uh, He's going to have a chance to make a bunch of plays. Um, You look at the Colts, Malik Hooker, um, to me, a guy we, man, I expected just immediate impact. Unfortunately, been dinged up a little bit. I think we see the best of Malik Hooker this year uh, at the safety position with the Colts. Their pass rush continues to grow uh, and get better. That's going to provide more opportunities for him to range and make plays. Tennessee Titans, last year's pick, Harold Landry, who's a more of a finesse rusher off the edge. A nice compliment to what they have uh, on the other side. I think he ends up, I'll say he'll go double digits this year. Go ahead and put that out there. I think Ooh. he'll get you 10 sacks. And then the Jags. We've talked about DJ Chark on the show before, but DJ Chark uh, coming out of LSU, we knew his toughness. You saw it on special teams, his speed. That was evident with what he timed. But everything I'm hearing is as a wide receiver, he's putting it all together. So if you're going to buy one wide receiver for the Jags this year, do yourself a favor and buy DJ Chark.
2: Hey, look, I, I like it. I, th- I think the guy that stands out to me, I love Malik Hooker, and I think they've been looking for a center of safety that can make big plays. And as this defense gets better, particularly on the front seven, able to generate more pressure, then you will see his skills come to play. Big time basketball player in high school. I think he begins to make some of those plays that we expected when he was drafted high.
0: Uh, Let's get to the West here. The Chiefs, no surprise here, Damian Williams. We saw what he could do last year. Um, He's going to be the guy this year. needs to stay healthy. But if he does, uh, this is a team that's going to use the passing game to run up big numbers early in games. And then he's going to be able to finish games and kind of be the closer for this Chiefs offense. Uh, For the Chargers, I'll go another running back, Justin Jackson. Everybody knows what you saw from Austin Eckler. But when Justin Jackson got sprinkled in during uh, Melvin Gordon's absence last year, you saw what he could do as a slashing runner. This year, watching him in training camp, Buck, and and seeing him early in the preseason, uh, you can see a little more power to his game. You don't become the Big Ten's third all-time leading rusher without being able to carry a load. Uh, I think Justin Jackson is somebody who could have a big-time breakout year. Uh, With the Broncos, Deshaun Hamilton. We raved about his route running coming through the draft process. Now you continue to see him grow uh, with this Denver Broncos team. I think Joe Flacco ends up finding a security blanket in Deshaun Hamilton. uh, He has a solid year. And then the Raiders. Uh, This is a team, when you looked at them on paper, uh, maybe a couple months ago, Buck, I, who the heck is playing tight end for this team? And now all I hear is one of the best players in their camp has been Darren Waller, a former wide receiver, converted to the tight end position. I said he's been borderline uncoverable uh, there in training camp. So Darren Waller, the tight end for the Raiders, having a big breakout year.
2: You know, Justin Jackson stands out for me. If Melvin Gordon has an extended absence, Justin Jackson can step in. I know people talk about Austin Eckler, but Jackson has a little thump to him, something about him that kind of stands out when you watch him on tape. And then Damian Williams, Kansas City Chiefs are all in on this running back by committee. You never know who's going to get the hot hand. Watch out for him. He could be a guy that could be spectacular in this offense.
0: No doubt. Well, that's, uh, again, part of our 32 series, 32 breakout players. All right, Buck, let's uh, let's get to these pass rush groups because – we, we've uh, we've gone on record in team building. You know, you want to be able to have great quarterback play, hopefully, and then you want guys that can hunt the quarterback, big-time pass rushers. And uh, when you look around the league this year, you see a lot of uh, big-time players have, have changed teams. We've seen the draft continue to uh, provide some, some young talent for these fronts. So when you look at combined what we saw last year and, and really looking forward projecting this year, Uh, Who are your top five uh, pass rush units heading into 2019? Top
2: five pass rush units going down from five to one. I'm going to go with the L.A. Chargers. I like Melvin Ingram and Joey Bosa coming off the edge. I think they could be terrific. The Cleveland Browns don't get enough credit for what they've assembled up there. Olivier Vernon, Miles Uh, Garrett is a monster. Sheldon Richardson, I think, can come back with the one-on-ones that he'll see and be a dominant force. The Jacksonville Jaguars, I'm still hoping that Calais Campbell still has a little juice left. He makes plays. Yannick Igakwe continues to be a guy that comes off the edge. Kansas City Chiefs. Chris Jones, I, I believe Chris Jones may be the best-kept secret in the league, but I don't know if anyone really realizes that he had double-digit sacks on the inside. Then you bring um, over a Frank Clark, who I believe is an upgrade over D. Ford. They should be terrific. But the number one group in my mind, the Denver Broncos, Von Miller, Bradley Chubb, those two guys, the way they're kind of the yin and the yang in terms of how they play, two all-effort players with tremendous skills. The Denver Broncos, to me, they have the best pass rush in football.
0: Yeah, look, I think we're going to see a little bit of crossover here on our list. My top five uh, pass rush units for 2019, let's start at number five. I'm going to go to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, this is a team with the Neil Hunter. When he's healthy and active, and Everson Griffin's in the right place, with this defensive scheme you have there with Coach Zimmer, they're going to be able to get after the quarterback, and I think you'll see sacks come in big numbers. Uh, not to mention they've got linebackers uh, very adept at providing pressure as blitzers. Number four, Denver Broncos. Bradley Chubb on one side, Vaughn Miller on the other. It's tough to argue with that one. And I think Vic Fangio, being able to dial that up, you're going to see more opportunities for these two guys to get on backs. You're going to see them with some opportunities to get on tight ends, and that's going to lead to big sack totals up there in Denver. Uh, number three on the list, the Chargers. And everybody knows about Bosa. Everybody knows about Ingram. Obviously, uh, keep Bosa healthy for 16 games. These numbers are going to go way up from last year. But my uh, kind of the secret sauce here, Cheninuosu, second-year player out of USC. I think he surprises some people with how they're able to use him. He's going to allow them to kick one of those two guys inside on occasion, let him come off the edge. He'll be able to spell them as well. Uh, and he'll get some opportunities to blitz when he's playing as a Sam linebacker on early downs. Uh, so the Chargers, number three. Uh, number two, Pittsburgh. And Pittsburgh, really, it's a collection of rushers. T.J. Watt, he's going to get you double digits, but then it's the rest of that defensive line. You've got a bunch of guys that are going to give you five, six sacks. Hayward, to it, uh, they're going to be able to get consistent numbers there. And, and I'm telling you, Devin Bush, I'm adding him into this mix because he's one of the best blitzing linebackers we've seen over the last few years. He's got a chance to sneakily rack up some numbers as an inside, off-the-ball linebacker, helping that sack total. And then number one... And this is a combination of talent and opportunity, the Kansas City Chiefs. When you have Chris Jones, one of the best interior pass rushers, you bring over Frank Clark, one of the five best pass rushers in the NFL, that's a great place to start. And Buck, with that offense, they're going to be playing with a lead the majority of their games, and those guys are going to get a tremendous amount of opportunities to get after quarterbacks. I think Kansas City ends up being the number one pass rush unit.
2: Hey, look, I like you thinking when you talk about the Kansas City Chiefs being able to play from ahead. Uh, you think about those great teams that Indianapolis had, and they had the pass rushers, Dwight Freeney and Robert Mathis, and Because they were always playing with the lead, they could put their fastball pitches out there and go after it. And so with the Kansas City Chiefs, if they put up points like we think their offense is going to put up points, it's going to be a problem. It's going to be problematic for people to have to kind of try and chase those points. And that could lead Chris Jones and Frank Clark to have tremendous years in Kansas City.
0: So if I'm reading this correctly, right, I had I had Denver, uh, the Los Angeles Chargers, the Kansas City Chiefs in my top five. Did you
2: have those three in your top five as well? Uh, let's see. Denver, Kansas City, oh, yeah. The, the, the AFC West How about is that ridiculous. Division? I mean, it's, it's, it's ridiculous. You know who doesn't like this list? The Raiders. Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> the Raiders definitely won no luck. parts of that. So they better get their young guys ready. You talk about Trent Brown and then uh, Colton Miller. Colton Miller. Get ready. (laughs) Oh, boy.
0: Buckle that chin strap, buddy. They would be without their two starting guards early in the season as well.
2: Uh, Unfortunately, they're for the Raiders. All right, Buck, anything else you want to add before we get out of here? Nah, man, it's been great, man. Just love what we're doing, love how we're going. I can't wait for even more games to take on, and I can't wait to begin to talk some little college, talk about some of these guys that are really bubbling up that we're beginning to hear about in the college landscape as we look ahead to the 2020 NFL Drive.
0: Yeah, be on the lookout. We'll have some, uh, some college content coming your way soon as we uh, get excited for the start of the college football season. Trust me, there is nothing better, uh, nothing we enjoy more uh, than the kickoff of college football. All right, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you so much for listening to Move the Sticks presented by New Era. Catch you next time.